everyone. It is great to have you back for the, the eighth week of Alpha. Uh, we have a rowdy group here tonight. And uh, thank you all for being there. How many of you have been here? Uh, I, I can't see any hands raised for those of you guys watching live stream. I do understand Teen Challenge is going to be with us for the weekend. So guys, we're looking forward to having you with us. Uh, but how many of you have been here all 10 weeks? So all eight weeks so far. Eight weeks, not 10 weeks. You can't be here 10 weeks. Eight. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, how many of you haven't been here all eight weeks, but you've been able to watch online when you haven't been here? Okay, that counts for perfect attendance as well. So do not screw this up. You've... <laughs> Commencement is in two weeks. You will finally graduate from something of value. And so we are excited about, the, uh, about that. But this weekend is the Alpha Weekend, and we want to encourage you to be a part of the Alpha Weekend. Um, and But let me back up, too, because I, I keep forgetting to remind you that CDs are available. Right over here tonight, there will be a, the CDs of tonight's talk and all of the past talks. I believe it looks like that is the case. Uh, so I want to encourage you to pick those up. Maybe there's a friend that you want to listen to uh, Alpha and maybe they're driving in their car a lot. Just pop in if people, do they, do cars still have CD players? Yes. Not much, huh? Yeah. So, okay. So older cars, like whatever, however older that would be. But, um, but we do want to encourage you to be here this weekend. Please register if you would. Um, if you don't register, we really don't care. Just come. Um, so if you can't, if you're not sure you're going to be here, and then at like say six o'clock Friday you realize you don't have anything for dinner, okay, just just show up over here. Um, but register if you can. Uh, if you're not sure you're coming, register anyway. It's really not going to make a whole lot of difference. But we would love for you to be here Friday night six thirty. Saturday morning, 8.30. If you can only come to Friday night, come to Friday night. If you only come to Saturday morning, come to Saturday morning. Uh, we'll be done Saturday right past noon is typically when we are done. And so we would really hope to see you. And so exciting. I, you're gonna be, you, this is one reason you do not want to miss the Alpha Weekend because I have heard that the founder of Alpha is going to be here. And I, I, I don't want you to embarrass him by not recognizing him. So I'd like you to walk up to him and just tell him thank you. So the founder of Alpha, here he is. The founder of Alpha is going to be here this weekend. Alpha. Uh, laugh track, please, Mike. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay so anyway. Um, you know, if, if Alpha, you know, we don't have, I don't have a gong here, only, only laugh tracks. But if Alpha has done anything for us over the course of these seven, soon to be eight weeks, it, I pray at least it's helped us clearly understand what the Bible says and what it doesn't say, what biblical Christianity is and what it is not. Uh, and there's a big difference between meological Christianity and biblical Christianity. Uh, meological Christianity, trying to get God to accept me based on what I do, is not Christianity at all. Not at all. And it's, I can't think of anything more important to know. If I'm going to call myself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, it has everything to do with what Christ has done for me. I need to know that. I bring nothing to the table but my sin. That's what I bring to God. I bring my sin. I bring my failures. I bring a recognition and acknowledgement that but for you, God, I have no hope 
of experiencing uh, abundance of life in the dash, much less on the other side of my last heartbeat. It's just that essential. If biblical Christianity is true, it is essential that I know that, that I throw away the manual that says it is, if, it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. It's just the exact opposite. If it's going to be, it's up to, it's up to the work of Christ and my responding then by his grace to the work of Christ. And that's why what we talk about tonight is so important. Who is uh, the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, you know, there's lots of stereotypes and assumptions of the Holy Spirit because um, it's just kind of difficult to get a grasp on the Holy Spirit. It's easy to ignore him. Now, when we talk about the Father and the Son, it's easy. I mean, I'm a dad. I'm also a son. Um, uh, if you ladies, you're a daughter, your daughters, uh, your mothers, it's, it's, we, we have those concepts because we experience them in the world, but we don't experience Holy Spirit in the world. Um, it's, it's so difficult to understand that. So there's more, certainly naturally more of a concentration on father and son. And as I said, that makes natural, natural sense. Growing up religiously, I had, I had no idea what the Holy Spirit does, did, does, what he was or anything else. I just knew he had something to do with my shoulders. Something to my shoulders. Because when I prayed, I prayed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he had something to do. I'm not quite sure whether, it had some, whether he was on my shoulders or anything else. But that's about the extent of my deep religious understanding of the Holy Spirit. And tonight in our introduction to the Holy Spirit, we're going to get to see a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and who he is. And the first thing we need to know is the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. And he's not a ghost. He's not a force. He's not an attitude like team spirit or something like that. He's not a thing at all. He is the third person of the Trinity. And this is what he does. The Bible says he thinks, he speaks, he leads, and he even grieves. Now, things, impersonal things, don't think, lead, or grieve. They don't. I mean, we have automatic speaking today coming out of our cell phones and all that other stuff. But the Bible could not be more clear that the Holy Spirit is not a force, an attitude, or a thing. He's not a ghost. He is the third person of the Trinity. And I know that is supernatural. That is way beyond us. But this is what the Bible clearly says that he is. And there's, I'm just going to give you a couple of of scriptures out of the Bible just to, again, don't believe what I'm telling you. Let's look and see what the Bible has to say about him. Let's just look at two of these. Let's go by, look at thinking. The first church had come together and they were making decisions based on how they believed God was leading them. And, and James, who was the first head of the church in Jerusalem, Jesus, James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he said this for, in the book of Acts, just so you understand, Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. The Acts deal with the Acts of the disciples or the Acts of Jesus Christ through the disciples. So we get, we get the ascension of Jesus in the first chapter. We see uh, the, the disciples coming together. We see them waiting for the, for the Holy Spirit as Jesus told them to. And so we see the, the building, the birth and the building of the, of the church in the book of Acts. It's a, it's a wonderful book uh, to read. And so it, this is what James writes, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. In other words, how's the church to live out this Christian life? What does that 
to do. And so we see here the Spirit of God gave wisdom in that situation. Also, here's Peter on the day of Pentecost as he is declaring what the Holy Spirit, what, what they're experiencing, the many things that they're experiencing. Brethren, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas. And so we see that he thinks, he speaks, he leads. So let's just take a little bit of, out of our manual. We're, going, we're on page 46, a, a bit of a biblical Holy Spirit history. I'll just take a look at one verse here that the, the Holy Spirit was actively involved with creation. And we see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And this is where it says, the very first verse in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Could not be more clear. God created the heavens and the earth. That's either a true statement or it's not a true statement. But the Bible makes it clear. God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was involved with physical creation. And also you see on page 46... Before Christ came and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that tonight as we go on in our study. It says he came upon particular people at particular times for particular tasks. And you'll see here, and I want to encourage you tonight or <clears throat> sometime during the week, dive into these scriptures that you see on page 46 as it pertains to a guy named Bezalel or Gideon or Samson or Isaiah the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon Bezalel to have the ability to carve and to craft the elements that were in the tabernacle, the things that were in the tabernacle. We learn of Gideon, who was, who was, who came, was come upon by the Holy Spirit to lead Israel against the Midianites, who were their enemies. Samson, we've all, most all of us heard of Samson. You know, God gave him great strength to come against other enemies of Israel, the Philistines. And then Isaiah, around 600 or so years before Jesus, we have so many prophecies coming from the book of Isaiah, from the prophet Isaiah on telling of a Messiah that is to, was to, and has in fact come. And then there's so many others as well. But just those four right there are fascinating to read. And I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and find those books in the Bible and enjoy reading those. The Bible also says that he was promised by the Father speaking through the prophets. So the, in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Christ comes, we see that the, the Bible talks about prophets that wrote in the scripture of one who was to come and what that would mean to us in, in, in the book of Ezekiel, the book of the prophet Ezekiel. And this is around 620 years before Jesus is born. Okay, before he comes into the world, this is, this is what we read from Ezekiel. Now, this is really funny. As, as Annette and I were listening to uh, Pastor Keith Collins' message this, this week, he was quoting this very same scripture. So if you heard his message, this is going to be a little bit of a rerun, but it's worth it. Now, just look here. I, I, I put the eyes in red and underlined them because I want you to see here that God is the initiator. And you know what? You know, I can't do this without these valuable cups. I have like a $8,000 insurance policy on these cups. Um, 
But look at what look at what Ezekiel says that God is saying. Look at the initiation here. Who's the initiator? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Now, do you see there? God is the one that is imposing this. He is initiating this. He's the one that's changing our hearts and our minds by giving us a new heart and basically a new mind as well. I will give, I will give you. Okay, do you see that give? There's, a, there's that gift thing that we talk about. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'm going to remove from you a heart of stone. What is that? That's the heart that you, every one of us has in Adam. Our hearts are dead as stones. Okay? And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, a live heart, a beating heart. And I will put my spirit in you because I'm going to take you out of Adam. And I'm going to put you into Christ, and I'm going to put Christ into you by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to move you to follow my decrees. He's going to put the want to, he puts the want to in us to move you to, to, to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws, not because he's going to grab you and throw you out of Christ or me out of Christ if I don't, but now because I know him more, I trust him more, I love him more, and I want to serve him more. It becomes the desire of my heart based upon the revelation of how much God has given me. And the only reason I have that revelation is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes and brings that revelation to me and gives me a new want to. And again, when we read this, please, let's not think of Ezekiel only writing to people six, you know, 2,600 years ago. This is written for you and me to read so that each and every one of us could see that and desire say god this is what you are saying about me and desiring to give me again like last week i talked about the fact that we need to take personal that the devil is out to kill us well we need to take personally that god is out to give us life we need to take that personally we need to understand that god is there to reach us right where we are in 700 bc before Ezekiel, this is what the prophet Joel writes. He says, it's going to come about after this that, here he goes, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They'll speak forth the truths of God that they cannot naturally know. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You know what I love about this? I love this. I hope you like this too. I'm going to pour my spirit out on <clears throat> all mankind, sons, daughters, old men, young men, male and female servants. Do you see that? I mean, God is an equal opportunity Spirit filler. I mean, that's, that's what he does. He wants to grant his life to each and everyone, no matter what. There are no castes, if you understand. There's no levels of importance from God's perspective. Every one of us is divinely important and deeply and intimately loved. So good to know. So 
between the time of the last book of the Old Testament, which is the book Malachi, and the New Testament, there is a time of, of isn't that like a 400-year intertestamental period where we don't see much of activity from the Spirit, at least that we are aware of. But suddenly, as the birth of Christ is coming upon us, we begin to see a move of the Spirit of God in the earth. And we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 15, which I'll put up on the, on the, on the screen in just a moment. There's a story of Zechariah. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were older in age. Zechariah was a priest. He was, in the, he was performing priestly duties when suddenly the angel Gabriel appears to him. And, and, and this is what the angel Gabriel says to this old man, Zechariah, old man Zechariah about a child that his wife Elizabeth will conceive. Who, and he will be John the Baptist. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And so the, the angel goes to, to Gabriel, Zechariah, and Mary, uh, pardon me, Elizabeth conceive. And one comes forth that we know is John the baptizer. Okay, he wasn't John the Baptist or John the Presbyterian or John the Episcopalian. You understand that. He just was John the baptizer. And then we see the angel comes to Mary. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he's telling her this very interesting thing for a little common girl to hear. I mean, this doesn't happen every day. Actually, this never happened any time but one day. Mary's asking, how's this going to happen? How am I going to get pregnant here? And this is what the angel says. And the angel answered her, answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Now understand this. This is important. Remember, in week four, we showed how if you're born in Adam, right? If you're in Adam, you're, you're born disqualified. Every one of us was born in Adam. Now, if Jesus was born of Joseph, who was of the lineage of Adam, could Jesus have been the savior of the world? No, he could not. See, so he has to be born of the Holy Spirit. That reason the Holy, the Holy offspring shall be called the son of God. He's born of the Spirit. He is born without sin. He's not born, not, not the son of Joseph but the Son of God. And then as John grows and his ministry grows up and he begins to baptize and, and cry out to the people, repent for God's kingdom is coming. Turn away from your sinfulness and turn to God. This is what John has to say about Jesus. He says, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who is mightier than I. And I am not fit to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he says, there's one coming after, coming who is mightier than I. I I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. There's no comparison between the two of us. He will baptize you. Now again, that, the word baptize there is the word in the Greek that means to immerse. So 
it, it's like taking a, a, a cloth and immersing that cloth in a dye, and the dye takes on every characteristic of that. It just saturates the dye in that color. You can't separate the dye from the color. That's what baptize means. Saturate. I will saturate you. He will saturate you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the, the Spirit, the, Jesus calls the Spirit the Spirit of truth. And so he'll saturate you in the truth, and he'll saturate you in fire. What is he talking about there? I believe when he talks about fire, he's talking about a passion for delighting in him. A passion for him. A desire for him and a desire to please him. Um, and so what Jesus taught as he walked on the earth, as he taught of himself, it's the Holy Spirit Excuse me, the Holy Spirit is the one who revealed those things. He revealed those things and continues to reveal those things. Just so important, so, so wonderful to know. You know, we may hear with our physical ears. We can read scripture with our physical ears. But it, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us with conviction what the Bible is saying how I'm to understand that, and that it is the truth. And he doesn't always do that immediately. There's sometimes I read something over and over again. Maybe you've had that same experience and just haven't seen it. And then all of a sudden, a week later, a month later, a year later, 10 years later, suddenly in God's time, he brings that revelation and it comes clear to me. So here's what, here's what John, uh, Jesus had to say, and John records this in his gospel. This is a a long passage here, so hang with me. John chapter 14, verse 16 and following. Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even, who's that? The spirit of truth, whom the world, those who are in Adam, cannot receive. Because it... Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you and he will be in you. Now, let's keep going. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Okay, so what Jesus is saying here is, while I'm still with you here on the earth, I'm telling you these things so you're going to know it because I'm not going to be with you physically always. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he, like, don't, don't miss this, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So it's the job of the Holy Spirit. Once Christ has ascended into heaven, God gives the Holy Spirit to plug us into those revelations to remember and to be empowered by the indwelling spirit. Just so important for you and me to see that. Here, continuing in John, the 16th chapter, here's what Jesus says. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine, in other words, his teaching, the truth, and making it known to you. That's, that's what he does. 
He will guide you into all the truth. Okay, without Christ, we are blind. Without Christ, we are deaf. We can't see. We can't hear. And a blind person and a deaf person, uh, they need to be guided until they get sight and the ability to hear. And what Jesus says is, I will open your eyes. I will open your hearing. And I'm going to do that by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen, Jesus says, unless the Holy Spirit does it. Isn't this interesting that we hear so little about the Holy Spirit? And what I'm telling you, this doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit, is what the Bible tells us. It just doesn't happen. And so it's important to see. But he... You know, in his, in his person, as the third person, his function, I should say, as a third person of the Trinity, he can be ignored, yeah, missed, yep, misunderstood, yep, or resisted, yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but he wants to take control. Uh, why would I ignore that? Or why would I resist that? Um, the question for me was not, do, do I not believe, or, or this, the question for me was not, do I not believe, or this question, Am I afraid of the perceived ramifications of believing? What will happen if I do relinquish control? What will happen if I do say, here are the keys? What will happen if I do say, no longer my will, but your will? It's one of the questions I asked on the reverse side last week when we talked about how do I resist evil? Or do I simply want to know, or do I simply want to acknowledge my sin? What do, do I simply just want to say, I don't want to acknowledge that I have need. I don't want to acknowledge that I have sin. Um, I don't want to acknowledge that I have a sin that's greater than me, a sin that I can't overcome, something in my life that, that just still seems to be empty. Uh, you know, but here, here's, here's the good news or the bad news. Um, when Alpha is done, God won't be. Okay, it's going to kind of be like the gum on the bottom of your shoe. You know, you step on it once and then it just keeps going with you. And, and that's, that is kind of like the way God works. Uh, you're going to feel that sticking. I believe that because I, I, I can tell you myself, I just felt the sticking. Every time I took a step in there, I'd feel, you know, you, you know that feeling, don't you? You hate that feeling. Um, but that's what he does. He's the gum on the bottom of our shoe, which is a strange way to put it. Um, but Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit when he addressed the religious leader, Nicodemus. And he, this is what he told him. This is John chapter 3. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Loria gives birth to Loria. But God's spirit gives birth to our spirit. See, Loria gives birth to Loria in Adam. But spirit takes me and takes my spirit and gives he gives me his spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. So you and I are born physically, as I've talked about before, physically alive, but spiritually dead. God comes when we're physically alive, and he makes us spiritually alive. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit to spirit. You should not be surprised that I'm telling you, religious leader, you must be born again. You must be born of the spirit. You must be born from above. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, you don't see the wind. You experience the wind. Do you, do you understand that? 
I mean, we saw the, the ramifications, the repercussions of Katrina. We didn't see a face necessarily or arms or legs because there was nothing. To, it was wind. It was invisible wind that picked up stuff and we saw the effect of the wind. And that's as it is with the Holy Spirit. We see the effect of the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it will. You hear it. But you can't tell where it came from or where it's going. That's what God does. And that's, that's what's so important about tonight. He's speaking here about the, the personal interaction that he has with each and every one of us. Uh, when, when, so when I, when I look at this, I think, what a, how designer of a God is he? How customized is his tailoring in each and every one of our lives? The wind blows where it is. You can hear it sound. You can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. And where it comes from in your life and in your life is going to be different than the way it comes in my life. Because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows exactly how to get our attention. And he is willing and desirous to get our attention so that we will realize the wind that is blowing is to get our attention is to draw us and to turn us away from ourselves and turn us to him. And I think what's happening is we're beginning to see his effects. You know, there, there are <clears throat> examples that Annette and I and several of you I know have had, and I hope at your table tonight, you'll speak of some of these examples and experiences you've had where you had something mysterious happen in your life. Maybe not so mysterious. But you didn't know what it was. But now you're beginning to think, maybe that was God messing with me. Maybe that was the wind that was blowing and I didn't know it. And he, the, the Lord does many different things. So we talked about old men seeing, having dreams and young men seeing visions. Um, I, just, I just want to share with you a couple of experiences. Um, many years ago, Annette and I were over at Keith and Gina Collins' house. Uh, there was a, a couple that uh, they were... Uh, and and, a, and a, a couple that were going to adopt a child, all the adoption papers were signed, sealed. The only thing that hadn't been done was the baby hadn't been delivered. And um, we were having a celebratory dinner. We were excited. We were going to pray. And that day before dinner, um, the, the word came that the adoption had fallen through. It wasn't going to happen. Now, this mom had had... Every time she had gotten pregnant, it was one miscarriage after another. I don't even remember. Do you remember how many miscarriages it was? It was, it was a lot of miscarriages. And so there was just real disappointment there. Well, while we were, we decided just to pray. And while we were praying, uh, one of the people there had a, had a vision as they're praying of a child in utero, just saw a picture in their mind of a child in utero and somehow got the courage to say, hey, this is what I saw. Would you mind if we prayed for you to get pregnant? Kind of scary. You've had all these miscarriages. Now you, the, the, one, the baby that was born is not going to be yours. The adopted, the, the mother decided to keep the child. She said, okay. Well, about six weeks later, we get a phone call. She's pregnant. Well, I'm thinking, oh, God, please don't let her lose this child. 
Well, that little girl is like 24 years old today. 26, thank you very much, Michael. Saw her Saturday. Uh, and so, I mean, there's just, that's just one example. I, I had a dear friend that had come to Alpha back just past, um, uh, past Katrina. Actually, dear friend, he was an, an employee of mine, and he had served in the military, and he was in the first, and he was in uh, one of the Middle East conflicts with Afghanistan. I think it was in Iran, I- I- Iraq, rather. And um, he saw a lot of stuff while he was over there. Um, he was a captain in the Army. And, and I invited him to come to work for us um, and invited him to come to Alpha. And he came to Alpha, and I will never forget. Um, I will be emotional when I tell you this story, uh, I think. Uh, maybe because I said I will be, I won't be. Um, I remember him coming into my office. It was a Wednesday morning, Alpha Week 8. I think it was Alpha Week 8 this night. Um, had just passed, and he... He, sa- he sat down on the other side of my desk. And he said, now, Frank, am I understanding correctly? This is what it is, basically, to be, become a child of God, to, to get in the wheelbarrow, to say I do, to receive the gift. I, I don't remember exactly what he said. And I said, yeah, that's it. So without my saying another word, he put his elbows on his knees. Um, his head in his hands, and he just prayed this simple prayer. And I was so excited about that. Well, what I learned later on was that every night he went to bed, and virtually, virtually every night he woke up with a horrific nightmare of being back in Iraq, back in the middle of a battle, with some form of PTSD. And ever since he prayed that prayer, he's not had one dream, not one nightmare. Now, I don't know who to, to give credit to that, but the Spirit of God. And there are so many other examples like that, whether it's physical healing or wisdom for a particular situation. Uh, I, I, tonight, I, I want to invite you to share some of those at your table. Share some of those where you are watching live stream of how you just know there's no natural explanation for this. Um, um, I had, uh, I'm fighting as to whether to share this or not. Um, there was a, a gentleman that I actually went to high school with, um, very successful man in the city of New Orleans. Um, and, uh, came to Alpha and, uh, and he, uh, we were talking about Everything that God offers us, he offers us life in the dash and life in the line and, and all of the things. And, and, I, and I remember saying, I said, why would someone not desire to have all that God desires to give us in himself? And uh, I remember his words like, I, I am sitting at that table, I can see this. And I remember after I said, why would someone refuse this? And his answer was the most simple, spot-on answer you could give. One word. And he said, ego. And I said, you're absolutely right. You think you don't need a savior. Well, I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with him for about 25 years. And about 
six, seven years after saying the word ego, I got a phone call at um, like four in the morning, one morning, right after Hurricane Gustav. And he said, um, I'm done with running. And, uh, and it is a joy to walk with my, my dear high school buddy who became, has become a follower of Jesus. Um, God did that. It's just, there's just, and the change that's taken place, there's just no, there's just no other way to answer that. Um, and so I can't be fairly, uh, but fairly convinced uh, and committed uh, to believing that the Spirit of God is moving in the lives of every one of us here, every one of you watching live stream. You're, I would say you're probably not the same that you were when you came here seven weeks ago. There's something different. Um, and, it, and hopefully it's more than the food. It's not the weight that you've gained since we've been eating. But I think there's, there's ample evidence that he's been working in the lives of every one of us that is here. And we're just, as I said, just not the same as we were. Let me just give you a few examples. These are just a few. Um, top 13 evidences of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Um, number one, uh, you, you have heart palpitations every time you see a wheelbarrow. There's something that's just kind of strange about that. Um, another thing, you're still coming. I mean, did you really think you would make it this far? You know, just... Yeah, just have yeah, just show up a couple times, and you're, you, then you're done with this. Uh, number three, you're curious. Uh, you were curious, but now you're convinced, or you are committed. When previously you couldn't uh, cared less about this Christian crud. I mean, there's just no thank you. I'm, I, I have no interest in this. Um, you're critically thinking. You're you're not just accepting the religious assumption anymore. You're actually thinking about what you're hearing and how God and the Bible pertains to your life specifically. Five, you're reading and you're actually understanding the Bible. I think I asked you guys back in week five, how many of you read the Bible more in four, the last four Tuesdays than you have in the last four maybe decades? And several of your hands went up. You're reading and you're understanding. God is giving you understanding. Number six, you're praying as if you were conversing with God. Because you are. You're not praying, let's make a deal prayers. You're actually realizing that the God who created all things, including you, says, hey, pray. And when you pray, come into your closet, close the door, be with me. I'll be with you in secret and I'll hear you and I'll reward you. Okay. Seven, you're talking about God in public you're using Jesus' name, but not in the way in which you used to use Jesus' name. A little bit differently than you used to use it. Um, you're attending church more regularly, and you're actually liking it. I mean, whatever denomination you may be where you just kind of kept doing this, just waiting for it, you're actually listening to things. Things maybe you've repeated all your life, but now they mean something to you. They've got, they're kind of hanging on you, hanging with you. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's His work. You're, you're more conscious of sin. You're more conscious of self-centeredness. You're, you're, you're experiencing a change in your actions, what you do and your attitudes, why you do them, why you don't do them, why you think about what you think about and don't think about what you don't think about. 
And I love this. This is from Tim Keller. Tim Keller helps me a lot, helps us a lot. There is a sense of absence. Now, what does that mean? A sense of his absence. Um, I think a sense that you or I may be missing something, that there is more to life in the dash and in the line, is a result of experiencing his absence. Because this is what Keller would go on to say. A sense of his absence is a sign of his presence. Did you get that? A sense of his absence is a sign of his being around, but not being in. A sense of his absence is that God is desiring us to experience more than just his presence around us, but his presence in us, and now our presence in him. A sense of his absence is a sign of his presence. Now, you're attending the Alpha Weekend. Oh, my God. Now you're really getting carried away. Okay. Uh, that's amazing that you're doing that. Um, and so, uh, but think about that for a minute. I know we, we giggle over that, but it's like, yeah, I'm actually doing that. Um, I would argue, humbly, that's, that's an evidence of the Holy Spirit working. And then, number 13... 10 weeks just doesn't seem long enough. You know, it's like, wow, 10 weeks. That was, but all of a sudden, it's eight weeks. There's only two more weeks left after this. Um, well, here's the good news. We're not going to be done at the end of 10 weeks. At the end of Alpha, there's something called beta. And um, beta is just kind of, if you want more, there's more. It's free. Uh, we're just coming up with a time that's going to be the best time to do this. We maybe continue on Tuesday nights. We'll just see. Um, we'll probably continue with a meal as well. It's a nine-week continuation in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we actually use a study guide by Pastor Tim Keller, which is excellent. We've done this several times. Some of you guys have actually been through that, and it is a wonderful study guide. And so we would love for you to, to continue if you'd like to. And not just let this thing drop off the cliff and say, well, it wasn't that. Hey, remember? It's a great wedding ceremony. I hope to see you again soon. Um, that just begin to immerse yourself all the more in the God that desires for us to be immersed in him. Okay. All right. So, as I said a little bit earlier, think about this. What if God is... God, by the Holy Spirit, is actually pursuing you. Okay? I mean, get, just like, look at this corporately. I, I, I could just call out names now. What if he's actually pursuing you, Danielle? Pursuing you, Jana? What if he's actually pursuing you, Keith? What if he's actually pursuing you? He's, there's a bullseye on your heart, and he's pursuing you. More than, and I would hope that you would say more than the convenience of a nice meal on Tuesday night, something different to do. Um, you're beginning to see that God is God pursuing me. God pursuing me, the likes of me. Yes, He knows everything there is to know about you. 
And it's worse than you think, as we've talked about before. And yet he is pursuing, relentlessly pursuing. And remember, we've discussed that all of God is relational. Everything about God is relational. And that is how the Holy Spirit does most of his work. He does that through relationships. Why are you here? You didn't see this on TV. There was no advertising, no billboards. You're here probably because somebody invited you here. And God kind of weaves our lives together through circumstances. Let me just give you another one of mine. This is, this is a great... This is, the, um, this is the first grade class of uh, New Orleans Academy. First grade class of 1963. Theory, you remember 1963, don't you? I thought you would. Okay. Um, so, do anybody want to guess who, who I am in this picture? I am in this picture. Some of you know this already because you've been here. Okay, the, the, the greasy little Italian guy right here. That's, that's what a cute little boy. Uh, just eat him up. Um, it's, it's really funny. So, um, I get a couple of giggles out of this. Um, everybody's heard of pearless menswear, right? I mean, how have you not been in New Orleans and not heard of pearless menswear? Well, which of these do you think has been the, the buyer and like the top manager at Perlis for the last 45 years? Yeah, this guy, the guy that's in the dress, full dress uniform. I mean, did he know then that this was going to happen? It's just incredible. Um, here's the original Hannibal Lecter right here, uh, my friend there. Um, so, but I'm pointing out this guy right here. Um, um, that's Brian. Um, Brian was my Jewish friend. I'm, I'm the Italian Catholic. There's my, my Jewish friend, Brian Bean, which he now says his name, BN. I guess now that he has a PhD in psychology, he, his name is, is, he can afford another syllable, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, but Brian and I were closest friends. His birthday is August 4th, 1956. His phone number is 866-3556. I mean, I know, I know his brother David. I mean, when he made his bar mitzvah, I, I sat there in the front row and this little Italian Catholic guy walked right behind him. Um, and uh, I love this guy. And he went on to LSU, got a PhD, moved on to it in, in industrial psychology, went on to move to Atlanta. And I just, every August 4th, I'm on the phone. Hey, Brian, happy birthday. What's going on? He never would answer the calls. But, you know, it was... It was and, but one time we had, we had uh, lunch or breakfast at... I think it was a La Madeleine. And, and I'm telling Brian, strangely enough, about what God has done in my life. And, um, and Brian is telling me about how, you know, life is... You know, he's got his PhD and he's married and all this other stuff. But just life isn't just really fitting together. And I said... Brian, what if, back in first grade when you and I first met, now, Brian left NOA after um, eighth grade because, um, unfortunately, he could not continue in a, in a private school. He just wasn't really that smart. He had to go on to Ben Franklin, I think is what it was. So, um, but I said, what if God continued to give me August 4th? What if God continued to give me your phone number? What if God just connected my heart to you because he knew one day what he would do to me and one day what he wanted to do for you as well? And I watched as this Jewish industrial psychologist just looked down with tears coming out of his eyes. And all he said was this, 
what if? What if? Now, I'm not quite sure where Brian is today. Um, we talk, and I, I really haven't pressed the subject with him. But I believe with all my heart that was a Holy Spirit thing. So think about your life here for a minute. What are the things? Who are the people? What are the circumstances that I would argue God has woven to bring you right where you are tonight? Think about that. Not just about last week or two weeks ago. About two decades ago, things that had to happen. If something two decades ago had not happened. Um, uh, Annette is going to share her story on... Um, on Saturday at the weekend, and she will tell you one of the fun things that had to happen, <laughs> or I don't know if she and I meet. It, it's just hysterical that um, you got to hear this. Uh, but uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal her thunder here. Um, but I think about that. I mean, I hated LSU with a passion. Anything purple and gold, I wanted nothing to do with. I grew up in Tulane's backyard. My dad went to Tulane. His father went to Tulane. His brother went to Tulane. I go to LSU. I didn't want to go there. But what happens at LSU? The very last place on the planet I wanted to, go to attend university because I hated, loathed Louisiana State University. Um, I mean, if, if any of you are old enough, you remember the Tulane-LSU rivalry when it, when it was. But it's there. You know, God just giggles. He must just giggle. Where It's there where I meet my wife on the first night. I told you that week one. I meet Jesus Christ, joining the wildest fraternity on campus. You know, and then I meet the man who eventually, uh, after I came to Christ, who I'd eventually go to work for and became a guy that was my, my spiritual dad. None of that happens if I get my way and I go where I thought I was going. He took me where he wanted to take me. And that was all the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. Each of us has a story as how, as I said, as to how we ended up here tonight. As you ended up watching this thing tonight. Every one of us has a story. Um, and I'd humbly argue that God is behind it. You know, next week, um, I've asked Donnie uh, Bourgeois to share his story. And you do not want to miss this. Typically, I, last year he did it on this night. But um, next week, we're going to talk about what is the importance of the church. Well, Donnie's going to talk about a little bit about what's the importance of the church. But he's going to share a story about how the Holy Spirit wove things together to bring him and his wife, Judy, to know him in one of the most difficult times any parent could ever have to go through. And uh, please, uh, you're going to want to be a part of that next week when we talk about uh, the importance of the church. So it said, here's, here's the job description of the Holy Spirit. He says, truly I tell you, Jesus said, it is for your good that I am going away. You understand why it's, his, why it's good that Jesus went away? Because he was in one body. He had made himself man to become the sacrifice. He became the perfect man to be the perfect sacrifice for imperfect man. It's Good, it's for your good that I'm going away. I know you don't get that right now, he told his disciples, I'm sure. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict or convince the world, all those who are in Adam, concerning sin, your sinfulness, 
your lack of righteousness, I mean, there's a whole way to, we can, I can't unpack that fully right now. Your sinfulness, your lack of righteousness, God's righteousness, and God's holy judgment. That's what he's going to do. And that's what he does. That's what he did in my life. That's what he did in Ned's life. He's done in so many of the rooms of us in the room, uh, in, in each and every one of our lives. He's the one that opens our eyes to see what we need to see about ourselves. And then he's the one that draws us to a loving Savior. So when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, we only come to him because the Spirit of God is working and imparting to us, I need to come to him. I need to come to him. It's just so important. So, you know, if you look at it, the Holy Spirit is God's real estate agent. That's what he is. He's God's real estate agent. He shows us, it is his job to show us what our real estate is before God. Last week I brought this up to you when we talked about how do I resist evil. Okay. It is important for me to know, and the Holy Spirit is the one that shows me what my what my address is, the property that I am living on and living in. Is my am I in the real estate of Adam or am I in the real estate of Christ? He's the one that reveals to me where I am. And like I said, there's no neutral ground. There's no median. I am either property of, living in the property of darkness and not God's. Or I am living in the property of Christ himself. I am either in Adam or in Christ. And he's the one that convicts me that. He comes to convict of sin, of being in Adam. That's what he does. And I really had to ask myself the question, what am I holding on to? Maybe you have to ask yourself this question. What am I holding on to that has any value in, compared to what God has offered me in a relationship with Jesus? In the, in the dash and in the line forever. Has anyone made you an offer that is better than the one that Jesus Christ has offered you and that the Holy Spirit is attempting to reveal to us is true? Has anybody offered the, uh, the peace in the midst of horror, joy in the midst of grief, plenty in the midst of want, and then forgiveness in the midst of a life that seems to be out of control? And then after it's all said and done, and you will be with me forever? Anybody make that offer to you? Well, if that's true, and I believe it is. It doesn't make it true because I believe it is. But I think the resurrection gives an awful big stamp of the truth of that. It's important for us to say. Who's made a better offer? He says, you bring me your mess, and I'll give you my best. Come like you are. Don't clean yourself up. That's meology. Well, when I get a little bit better, when I overcome this sin, when I overcome that, when I overcome this, when I stop doing that. No, that's nonsense. That is total, that is total meology. That is, if I also think, it's demonic. So who is the Holy Spirit? He is the third person of the Trinity. He comes to reveal Christ to you and me. And he does that by communicating in many different ways. And I'm just going to give you five of us. He, he comes to reveal Christ to us. He comes to reveal this. God loves us in spite of us. And he offers us a wonderful plan for our lives. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's necessarily attractive. But it is the best plan for our lives. 
So let's not misunderstand wonderful for something that looks like it's Disney World till we go to heaven. No. We each fall short of God's perfect standard. He is the one that reveals that to me. That I have fallen short. He comes to reveal that God has provided the way through Jesus. Not my efforts or well-intended, as well-intended as they may be. It's all Christ. He's the one that does that. He compels us to accept Jesus. He's the one that drew me to him. He's the one that made me realize I needed to say I do. Made me realize that Jesus had already said I do. And then when I finally did say I do, he followed through on his promise. And he always has for 45 years. And then fifth, he empowers us to live above our circumstances and love others as we have been loved. That's what he does. That is the work of the Spirit. You know, to receive the gift, to say I do, to get in the wheelbarrow is not, I want you to hear this, to receive the gift, to say I do, to get in the wheelbarrow is not an invitation from me. Please hear that. That's not my invitation. That's God's invitation. It's important that you know that. I am not some guy standing up here with a Bible in his hand preaching at you. That's God's invitation. I just happen to be the mouthpiece that he's using. But hear that invitation to say, I do, come directly from his heart and directly from his lips to you. Tonight would be a great night. May 4th, 2021. About... 858, 758, 758, 758, central time, um, to, to take him up on his offer. Um, and I would encourage you to do that. Take him up on his offer. Ex realize this must be God that has been doing these things, working in my heart to make me realize I need him more than anything else. That's who the Holy Spirit is, the third person of the Trinity who comes to reveal Jesus and to reveal our need for Jesus all the time. So that's it. But remember, Alpha Weekend, we would love to see you here for the Alpha Weekend. If you've been watching live stream, we're going to be recording Saturday, uh, Friday night, Saturday as well. If you want to come join us, breakfast will be better here than it will be the Cocoa Krispies at your house, leave them for somebody else. Come and enjoy an amazing breakfast here. And then next week, how important is the church? What's the importance of the church? So again, thanks for making it through eight weeks. We look forward to seeing you this weekend. And then we look forward to seeing you Tuesday night for week nine. And then week 10, the amazing commencement ceremonies of the spring alpha class of 2021. Thank you all for being here. Let's take a quick break and uh, get back to our tables.